0: Welcome to Q&A Selling Online, with answers to questions about creating an online empire, promoting products, or building a brand. Your host, private label and e-commerce entrepreneur, Quinn Amorm. Today's guest is one of the top 10 social media influencers in 2017, according to Analytica. He's also a millennial keynote speaker who has worked with the Department of Defense and Cybersecurity. He's helped launch digital strategies with brands like Dell, Adobe, Applebee's, IBM, you name it. I would like to welcome today Brian Panzo. How's
1: Brian? it going? Well, I, I'm excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it'll, 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 this should be a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. So listen, normally I see that you're a father of three girls you host two podcasts you've been you speak worldwide you've been to over 70 countries normally i would ask anybody else like how do you manage to do all of that but i know how you do it i heard you say that you adopted a mentality that is chaos is the new normal is that how you do it?
1: That is how I need to do it, and I, I appreciate your research there. Um, I like to say, you know, my my business life is uh, pretty pretty chaotic, and my my personal life with three girls uh, under the age of eight uh, is pretty chaotic. So I I rather than try to fight the chaos, I, I decided to embrace the chaos. So I kind of live in that in that world of going fast and going a little bit of everywhere in every different direction. Um, I was diagnosed ADHD uh, at 31, and so that kind of helps because my brain thinks like that. So my business is chaos, my personal life is chaos, but my brain kind of embraces the chaos. So I do believe uh, you know, change and chaos are the new normal, and I'm just kind of living it.
0: That's a great mentality. And your daughters are all under eight. I have, um, I have three myself. Two of them turned 10 months today, both of them.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. Congrats. You, so you're really in the chaos. I, I'm, I'm very lucky. My youngest is, uh, is four years old now, going on 14, uh, mm-hmm. and she's, because she's the youngest, she's learning from her older sister. So I have a four-year-old, so thankfully, uh, no sleepless nights on that side. Um, but man, uh, congrats. Two, two at 10 months. You, you, are, you're, you know the chaos better than most.
0: Oh, trust me. I do. <laughs> it's awesome, though. Great life. So you're on YouTube, you're tw- on Twitter. I see that you're halfway through uh, maxing out your LinkedIn connection count. That's incredible. And you've been nominated. Uh, you're on the top 50 list of social influencers, social media influencers. And you were you actually number 10 and number 9 on the video influencers. Well, congratulations, first of all. Thank you. Second, uh, how do you do that? So for me, you know it's interesting, you know my, my career's a little
1: bit unique. Uh, I, I'm a computer science major. I actually uh, worked in cybersecurity for nine years. so I, I worked in cyber um, with the Department of Defense, helping them really facilitate collaboration between the different branches of the military. And I fell in love with uh, collaboration, probably more so than I did uh, the technology or cybersecurity as a whole. And so I kind of fell uh, it was you know late 2012. Um, I started to really focus a lot more on the marketing side uh, of collaboration and community. I also realized quickly that marketers had budget uh, compared to the the HR teams. And so uh, it was around that time that I decided to go a little bit all in on social media. Um, I actually remember uh, it was November 3rd, uh, 2014. I'm sorry, 2013, November 3rd, 2013, and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to tell my story on all the different channels, and I'm going to go all in on social media, and um, that was kind of the start for me, and I can say, you know, um, I am a little bit of everywhere, there's no social network that I don't have a presence on, Um, I kind of pride myself, you know, for my clients, um, I help them decide which Uh, social networks to be on uh, that's for them like what's the best for them but how do i how do i know what's the best if i'm not on everything so i I don't tell people to practice what i preach you know i'm on i'm on tumblr and pinterest and slideshare and uh you name it you know i'm on musically i have snapchat um but for me you know i love it i absolutely love i love telling stories i love engaging communities and uh i don't believe i'd be able to do as much as i do on social networking uh you know, more so than anything else, if I didn't love it. you know, I get up in the morning and I'm, I'm excited to check Instagram DMs. I'm excited to tell stories on YouTube. Um, LinkedIn has been uh, my number one focus for the last about nine months. I, I've been pretty heavy on LinkedIn for about two years, but the last nine months, I've been making a much more strategic effort on that platform. So for me, it's a little bit of, um, I found my passion and my passion being Uh, you know, leveraging the power of social media. And I tell everybody this, but um, I believe that, you know, we're living in the greatest time in the world. I think thanks to social networking and social media apps like Facebook and LinkedIn, um, it doesn't matter where you live. I live outside Washington, D.C. um, here in the United States. And um, it doesn't matter where you live, what your background is, um, what your resume is. We have the ability to connect with people around the world. And I think every generation before us would have killed for this opportunity. And so that's part of the reason what excites me is because I don't even have to have known you, met you. I I could just have discovered you and and we're able to connect via social media and and do some great things together. And that's kind of what what keeps me up at night, but it's also what gets me up in the morning excited to do what I do.
0: It's absolutely true. I love it. I love it. I feel the same way. Like we are so blessed to have this ability to connect To start a business without leaving your room, like it's so fantastic. And uh, now you're on all platforms. Which one? You know, we know Facebook is the 500-pound gorilla. We all know that for marketing purposes and branding. Of course, you are a brand yourself. Uh, How? Which one is your favorite of all of them?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. That's, uh, um, you know, Twitter has changed my my business and life probably the most. Um, Twitter, uh, I I really like Twitter from the standpoint, and this is how I pitch Twitter to people, because some people, um, you know, it's weird with 140 characters, now it's 280 characters. But the reason I like Twitter is every other platform, no matter what it is, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, the way that you grow your following is that people are friends of friends, right? Like you're on Facebook. The only way that you can, you can read my content is that you have to be a friend of mine, or you friend request me, or a friend of a friend, or that's how we kind of discover content. But the thing about Twitter is I, I call Twitter the global fire hose of community. Because it doesn't matter if you don't know me, you don't like me, you've never heard of me. If you're on Twitter and you search a hashtag, like you know, for a sporting event, or maybe like today we're recording this on a Tuesday, and and today is Thoughtful Tuesday, right? And so if you look at the hashtag Thoughtful Tuesday. On Twitter, you can read all of this content from people that you aren't friends with you don't know, and you can become inspired and I oftentimes you know people will find me and say brian i've never heard of you i't even I don't even know who you are, but you sent this tweet about this, and it really meant something to me and so Twitter has really been my favorite platform for a long time it's really allowed me to grow. but I will say the storytelling you know I'm a marketer and so uh, the thing about being a marketer is you follow other marketers on social media and that's annoying and it's really, really bad because there's a lot of bad marketers, but marketers are, are really good at marketing. And sometimes you just want to get on social media and not be marketed to. And like when my, you know, I, I sounds like a kind of a normal thing, but for someone that's in the industry, um, I've recently fell in love with it, with Instagram. I'd say for the last year, um, Instagram is my favorite platform for personal enjoyment. So the platform that I, I leverage the most that's allowed me to travel to 70 countries has been Twitter the platform I, I most get most excited about using on a daily basis is definitely Instagram I just really love Instagram stories I like Instagram live and I like that marketers can't really ruin it right there's only one link that you get in your bio they can't just blast a bunch of crap into your uh, platform so The easy, long answer to that is love Twitter to reach people that don't know who I am. But my most enjoyable platform at the moment is definitely Instagram.
0: Awesome. I agree with Twitter 100%. Uh, For the longest time, I, I had a Twitter account, and I didn't use it for many years. And then recently, I started using Twitter, and I realized what you just said. It's so fantastic that people can find me, and I can find anybody. And next thing I know, I'm talking to Lewis House. And Eric Thomas, I'm trying to get Eric Thomas to come on the show. And there's a man, like Twitter, a lot of people I talk with uh, don't even have Twitter accounts. And because they think exactly what I used to think until, you know, uh, a year or so ago, it's, what is it? You're just going to go there and read somebody's 140 characters, which are not 140 anymore. But that's not all it is. It's fantastic. And then Instagram, like you said, um, do you get lost there?
1: Of course. Yeah, I definitely, you know, um, I'm, I'm very, uh, like I said before, the ADHD side of me, sometimes I just get caught down a rabbit hole. Um, so oftentimes I track my time during the day as an entrepreneur. So I'll put a timer on and say, you know, like, hey, eight minutes to work on this graphic or 10 minutes to edit this video. And sometimes I need to do that on my Instagram as well. I'm probably not as good about it as I should. Um, I actually like Instagram stories, the stories, the 10 second stories across the top even more than the feed. So I'll often find myself kind of scrolling through the stories. But um, but yeah, like you said, Twitter, and for those that are listening to your show that maybe aren't on Twitter, Twitter today is way different than it was three years ago. And it's even different than it was nine years ago, right? I was on the platform Early on, and I only cared about it. I'm a Pittsburgh sports fan, and I and I left Pittsburgh um, in my teenage years, and so for me, it allowed me to connect and have conversations with all of my fellow friends that were still in Pittsburgh, right, talking about Pittsburgh sports. But it wasn't until I started to realize things like Twitter chats and following hashtags, and I will say right now, I think Twitter. Is, the thing about Twitter is they they're really bad at marketing themselves, teaching people how to use the platform. But if people can find different ways to be creative on the platform. Twitter is pretty amazing, but Twitter, just like everything else, you, it's about the time that you put in. Like uh, When people tell me sometimes, like, well, I had a Twitter account. I really didn't like it. I prefer Facebook. And I'm like, well, how many, how many minutes of your day do you spend on Facebook? And they're like, well, you know, 25 to 30, which they're probably lying, yeah. probably like an hour to an hour and a half. Um, and then I say, well, how much time did you spend on Twitter when you were learning Twitter? And they would say five minutes, right? And so it's one of those things like if you want to be good at something, especially with this ever-changing environment that we live in today, you have to invest the time. And so uh, I'm not a huge fan of spending your time everywhere because that's what I do for a living. Um, But um, if you do invest the time, especially right now at this moment, I think Twitter can have some massive value for not only your business, but for thought leadership, for finding your people, um, for realizing you're not alone. You know, little things like um, mental health health awareness uh, month is going on this month. And I can tell you, I have that hashtag on one of my uh, feeds and it's you know it's amazing how many people are sharing stories and inspiring other people and I just kind of wish that uh, more people were able to embrace that and from the platform perspective but uh, yeah Twitter Twitter is definitely an interesting animal
0: that's for sure absolutely so Brian you mentioned how you you time yourself when you're doing certain certain jobs how do you do that do you use like Pomodoro techniques or do you have an app or you just look so at- I
1: actually so weirdly enough and I'm gonna say her name um, I use Alexa. Um, so, uh, so I, I just literally talk out loud and I say, uh, Alexa set timer for 25 minutes and oops, she didn't hear me. That's good. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and she does it. And so that's one of the things too. I've, I've learned like for me, keep it simple, stupid, right? Kiss, keep it simple, yeah. stupid. You know, like I have lots of tools. I mean, I have more apps. I'm a computer science major. I have more gadgets and stuff that I could ever get, get. You know, get. You know, most people are overwhelmed just by like the little things that I have. But the other thing I realized was that if I don't simplify my process, I will never use it. Right? If I have to open up an app to get into an app to set a timer or do something, oftentimes I don't do it. So for me, it's it's about how do I simplify things, right? And so that's why. Uh, the Amazon Alexa works really well for me because I can just talk to it, set the timer and go, and then it you know it plays it actually I, I customize the alarm. so like it'll right now I think it has Missy Elliott uh, and Missy Elliott tells me, yo, stop doing your work. It's time to move on or something crazy. Wow. Um, but, you know it, I think everyone has to find what works best for them, and for me, it's definitely about uh, you know a simple solution like a, a, a talking speaker.
0: <laughs> Very good. Alexa is actually one of the few I have not tried myself. I have. You know Cortana, Siri, and just because I'm I'm a PC guy, and this is only temporary, I'm thinking of changing to Mac just because of the, the forceful updates and man. Anyway, that's another story. Oh.
1: My company's name is iSocialFans, um, and that's kind of my personal brand. Everyone knows me on social media. And that lowercase i is because I'm an Apple fanboy. So for iPhone, iPad, and so that's iSocialFans. So everything, I'm all in everything Apple and Mac. Um, and now I do own uh, – I have three phones because of my, my job with uh, video uh, live streaming, and I do have a Samsung uh, uh, S7 uh, that, I, that I use as well. But, yeah, I'm all in uh, Apple everything
0: very good now, talking about your brand there's something i noticed which is the fomo f-o-m-o and i really love that because i know the fear of missing out is one of the biggest fears humans have or that actually they they're not born with it we create that after so tell me more about that how how did you get into that
1: so you know i was always um people actually referred to me and like they would introduce me on stage as the fomo guy And they would always say, like, if you want to know about the bleeding edge technology, if you want to know about the newest, you know, Snapchat spectacles, or if you want to know what artificial intelligence was or augmented reality, virtual reality, people would always come to me. And that became kind of my thing. And I love living on the bleeding edge. I love testing out new technology. You know, I jailbreak my iPhone. I'm using the beta software of the Macintosh software. So I love that bleeding edge. And what I did was I started to realize, like, okay, I want to help other people embrace the fear of missing out like I do, right? And I spent about a year really working hard with content and different things out there. And I realized, um, first of all, not, not many people like living on the bleeding edge of change like I do. And so many people were so overwhelmed by the fear of missing out that they were almost, uh, you know, they were so turned off that they would rather not know then learn at their own pace. And so I launched a podcast called FOMO Fans, The Fear of Missing Out Fans. And the goal of that podcast is simply every week for 30 minutes or so, I cure your fear of missing out, right? So I, I went, I flipped it on its head. I was trying to get people to embrace their fear of missing out. And now I said, okay, if people don't want to embrace it, because that's where I was living, how do I how do I help them cure it, right? And so, and, and like I said earlier, I'm on every social network. I have two podcasts. I, I, I create, I've, I've done over 1,300 live videos in the last two and a half years. And so I create a lot of content, like way, I mean, a lot of content. And that, that also creates FOMO For my fans, right, and for my community, and so I've told them, you know, if there's one place that you can go, if there's one place that you want to, it's my podcast. And I, I truly love podcasting. I'm a a big podcast consumer. I've been a guest on a little over 150 podcasts myself, Um, and not to mention I've hosted now a little over 300 podcasts between my the two that I have. Um, So you know, for me, I love all of these channels, but I created that podcast to help cure people's fear of missing out because I think oftentimes people aren't scared. Of the new technology they're scared more of change and if i can help them have an open mind to change then they can embrace things like twitter or embrace things like artificial intelligence but if they are close-minded and they're just living in that fear they'll never open their mind to these new possibilities and i really do believe the world is changing so fast today right now as we see it that if you're not open mind to change or if you're not embracing what the heck's going on you're going to, you're going to get ran over. And I think the, before it was, well, if I don't embrace change, if I don't buy a DVD player, I could still use my VHS, uh, my VHS tapes. Right. But now if you don't buy something today, not only is it going to be going away in a couple of years, but we're probably going to move on to another technology that you won't even understand if you don't start now. So the FOMO for me is I, I went from trying to get people to embrace FOMO to trying to cure their fear of missing out now. And it's, um, it's been beyond inspiring. I can tell you the amount of emails that I get for people telling me uh, I, I change their life or I inspire them to do different things. And like you said, it's fear of missing out. is kind of self-invoked by our digital world that we live in today. But I don't think it has to be tr- you know, traditionally a bad thing. It just has to be something that people figure out a way to manage.
0: And you don't think that by curing people's FOMO that as a marketer, we uh, we can use that fear of missing out to actually market people, and that's where the scarcity techniques come in. You know the the clocks, the countdowns. You know, do you actually do you agree with those?
1: So I think I think for the longest time they've worked. I think for the last seven or so years, those those fear of missing out tactics have worked, right? Like the idea of sending an email and saying only twenty left, and then the email tomorrow only ten left, when everyone knows damn well there's a hundred left or two hundred left. But here's the thing about that is. I believe consumers have been dumb and, and go, go bear with me for a second. Uh, consumers have, have been dumb for, for a long time, right? We were blind to marketing and advertising. We didn't understand a lot of times, but we've seen things even like the Facebook data privacy breach, right? All of a sudden, all of these people that were like, wait a second. I've been using Facebook for free. I didn't realize I was paying with it with my data. What does that mean for me? And and so I will actually say that I don't believe in 2019 and beyond the fear of missing out marketing tactics will work anymore. I think consumers see right through it. You know, it's even like brand placement, right? Just because a celebrity is driving a specific car on a TV show, we don't just buy that car all of a sudden because they're like, wow, they must like that car. No, today's consumer goes, they must have paid him the most money to drive that car, right and so today 's consumers are smart I, I will say they're they're not you know uh, I would say the fact that we, we saw the the Congress uh, questioning Mark Zuckerberg and that proved that you know humans are not smart as a whole because that line of questioning was atrocious <laughs> but but uh, I think if we look at it, I think you know over the next couple of years, marketers—and this is something I talk about a lot. This is you know I speak around the world, and one of the things I say is that we have to start talking with our community and our consumers, not talking at them, because we've been talking at them. We've been trying to trick them with clickbaiting and and sign up for this email address, you know, to download this free product, and then they sign up for it, and then we spam them with a bunch of crap. Well, I think those those tactics are dead. I think they're they're well, they're not dead. They're dying. They're going to be dead very soon. And we're going to start to really have to put up up or shut up, right? The idea of countdown clocks and things are going to go away. But I will say they've worked today. And for people listening that that are using those techniques, I'm not saying that they were wrong. I'm just saying that today's consumers are now smarter. So we're we're going to have to start doing something a little different because times are changing.
0: Absolutely. And I love the way you think. And I agree with it 100%. People are getting smarter and they can see right through those. Uh, to the point that uh, somebody contacted me on LinkedIn and uh, Their message at first I thought right away was another spam message. They started by saying I'm not gonna try to sell you anything Mm -hmm. And when somebody says that (laughs) I know they're gonna try to sell me something and his second sentence said bullshit I'm gonna try to sell you something and instead of deleting I started reading the rest and I thought this guy's a genius and I actually replied to him because you're so honest that yeah. that's the reason why I read the rest of the email. And I actually uh, may do some business with him because what he had to sell didn't matter to me and I didn't need those services. But if he continued with, I'm not here trying to sell you something and then try to sell, I would have seen through it and I wouldn't have dealt with him. Right. So that, that's uh, that's the, what you were saying about finding new techniques and.
1: For sure. And I think also transparency um, is extremely important. You know, I, there's, there's every stage that I go on, I ask one well two questions to the audience. I ask them, you know, uh, can you name me a brand that you believe is perfect? And no one ever raises their hand. I, I think I've asked that about 100 times and I've had zero people raise their hand. And then I say, okay, uh, name me a person or a leader or an executive that you know is perfect. And, and sometimes people will say like Mother Teresa, right? Like, like throw, and, and like even Mother Teresa wouldn't say that she was perfect. But then no one raises their hand, right? So in this world we're living in today, it's weird that we've we've tried to portray ourselves as perfect brands, perfect marketers, writing the perfect email. Yet every person I've ever asked can't name. Someone that they think is perfect, and so in this new world we're getting at, it's gonna be it's gonna be less about tricking people into doing things or making claims and then going back on it, and it's gonna be more about how do I build trust and how do I transparently put things out there. You know, a lot of times for me, you know, I will have people that will come to me and ask me, Brian, I want you to be an influencer, I want you to you know hawk this product, or I want you to use this software and talk about it on your podcast or whatever it is, and I have to come back to them and say I don't think that's a good fit. And most of the time, they're surprised by that, right? Because people aren't used to turning it down. But I've I've for the longest time believed that, you know, building trust in a community is extremely hard. But losing it is very easy, right? One bad, one bad product, one thing that you're scamming people on, uh, misusing people's data, and so I, I value that. I think every business should. And so doing certain things like not, you know, not BSing everybody when you're sending emails, right? Or putting it out there like, hey, I want to put your, I want you to sign up for this, you know, on my email uh, newsletter. I've never had anybody, I've never had an opt-in. You haven't. Had, there's never been a download for someone to opt into my email. It simply says if you want to cure your fear of missing out and you want to stay up to date with what I have going on, sign up to my email newsletter. And that is all I say. I don't, there's no pitch. There's no trick. There's no like, get on there and I give you five hours free of my course. I don't do any of that because I want the people that sign up to my email newsletter to get what they expect. right? And yes, my email newsletter is much smaller than others, but I will tell you, my, my open rate will crush other people's my, my engagement on my on my emails will crush other people's and the reason that is is because I'm not tricking them into getting something that they didn't expect. I'm truly am trying to provide value at a level through honesty and transparency. And I think that's where marketing is going as a whole, which I think is really exciting.
0: That that is the way to go and I believe Jessica Alba may have figured that out when she created that Honest Company.
1: Yes, and, she did, uh, I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah, and that is what the, they call uh, the unicorns, right? It becomes, yes. and that's just, I guess, yeah, she did figure it out like a lot of people did. So tell me about all this content that you provide, and you've been over 70 countries, and I saw you speak at the NSA. Man, uh, how how is that? Is there any special security going in? you
1: <laughs> well actually it was the other nsa so it was the national speakers association okay uh, Not now the funny part is i worked in the department of defense i actually worked out of the pentagon for four years so um i did three trips to iraq uh two to afghanistan so when i put out there that i was speaking at nsa almost all of my connections were like wait a second what are you doing but yeah i, I actually spoke at the uh the the winter conference for the uh, National Speakers Association. But yeah, I, get, you know, I just got back from Scotland uh, two days ago. Um, I spoke at uh, an event there in Scotland. I was in Poland the week before, uh, Newcastle, UK the week before that. Uh, I love being able to speak around the world. For me, uh, going around the world is also a great reminder of um, sometimes in, in, in the US, we get kind of stuck in our own marketing bubble and we like to claim that we're better than other people and we do things better than everybody else. But then I'll, I'll go to other countries and I'll be impressed by the way they're doing you know, digital advertising or maybe the way they're doing uh, email sign-up or even some other you know, local brick-and-mortar stores. So I, I love traveling the world. It's truly uh, it's an honor. And uh, my favorite place in the, in the world with everything I do is being on stage. And the fact I get to you know, be on stage full-time as my job is a, is a pretty cool opportunity, that's for sure.
0: So tell me, you, you speak to hundreds, thousands of people at one time. And I've seen you been at the social media marketing world, which is one of the biggest events there is and were you always you can see you're you're a confident person were you always confident were you how did you do this
1: ooh that's a great one um So for me, you know, growing up, uh, I was kind of like the unique, you know, and I won't say unicorn because unicorn sounds like a but I I was the weird one where, um, you know, in high school, I was part of the theater club, I played on the baseball team, I DJed at a skating rink, and I worked at my parents' frozen yogurt shop, and I was a lifeguard that surfed every morning before school in Virginia Beach. Uh, When I went to college, I was a computer science major that played on the hockey team and was also in a fraternity, and I can tell you, nobody that was in my fraternity played hockey, nobody that played hockey with was a computer science major, and nobody that I was a computer science major was in a fraternity or played hockey, right? So I've always been kind of uh, one that walks my own path, kind of, I really like being able to relate with everyone, but I, um, for me, to, to answer that question, you know, I've always been outgoing, I've always been an extrovert for, from um, all intents and purposes, but there was a path in my career, and this kind of goes into a little bit of failure, but a little bit of um, adjusting as I went, is that... In, you know, I talked about me getting into social media uh, in 2012, uh, full-time as like a job, but I can tell you I, I was getting burnt out by about 2013, 2014. Uh, I was really getting burnt out. Like, what should I post on Facebook or what do other people want me to hear on Twitter or what do I need to do on LinkedIn? And, and what happened was my mom, actually, I give my mom a lot of credit, is my mom, I was talking to her on the phone and, and um, she said, you know, she's like, son, you know, what you do really well and what you've always done really well is you've always stayed true to yourself. You've always done it your way. And she was like, I think part of the reason that you're getting overwhelmed is you're, you're forgetting that when you do stuff online. And uh, I can tell you, I remember I wrote on my on my mirror in my bathroom, I wrote the words be yourself, be yourself in giant capitals. I actually, I wear it as a wristband on my wrist right now. I, I see it every day. Um, and that changed everything for me because um, I am extremely confident on stage. I love being on stage. Now I practiced a lot of, you know, the amount of times. I mean, I have done well over 200 events in the last three years. I mean, so I've been on a lot of stages, but um, so I'm refining my craft. But what I figured out was when I'm able to be myself, right? Wear my shirts. I'm am a backwards hat wearing guy. I love to have a hat on. Um, you know, I wear my own crazy style shoes, and I have my. When I was able to be myself everywhere all of this came easy, right? And so I, and I like to say like, there's that weird spot between confidence and ego. And for me, the difference is, I don't believe I know everything. And I actually don't believe I'm an expert in any one area. But what I do know is that I'm really good at telling stories and relating content and conversation to people, right? So, I mean, I was in Scotland, I was in Poland, I was in Newcastle, and the week before that, I was in uh, Baltimore. And for me, each presentation had the same title, But my job was to make the content relatable to the audience. And that's what I became really good at. I like to say, you know, my tagline is, um, I translate the geek speak. And so I can take stuff like artificial intelligence and I can make it relative to my mom or I can help a group of developers understand how they can code to it, right? And so that's really where I found my confidence. And I will say, if I wasn't being myself 100% always, um, that confidence wouldn't be there. It would be a lot harder for me to get on stages, but um, getting on stages doesn't scare me at all. And mainly that's because I know that I'm going to be myself a hundred percent.
0: Very good. I uh, I hear a lot talk about the, the imposter syndrome when the person doesn't feel that they're good enough to give advice and stuff like that. And I believe the reason is because the person doesn't become them themselves, just like you. And a lot of people are afraid to say I don't know, and and if you do, like you said, if you can say I don't know, then you don't need to have the imposter syndrome because if you don't know something, you don't know it. And, and before we go anywhere, let me congratulate your mom because that was beautiful advice. That was fantastic, man.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a mama's boy too, and and like my my parents aren't into social media, and uh, even my dad's a big sales guy, and he was he never understood social but um, they've always understood people, right? And it's funny that some of the best advice you can get on how to be good on social media are probably from people that aren't on social media that are people that just know people. And that's, that's what I'm lucky to have, you know, great parents that kind of have guided me down that path.
0: Yeah, you just have to be ready to, to hear it and to listen. Yeah. So um, I heard a story about a video you did for Applebee's. Can you... did it get over a billion page views? What's your page views that
1: it got? Uh, So it was a billion impressions. Um, So what we did is um, I worked with two other people um, and actually a giant agency, and we did um, what they called Taste the Change. And so for an entire day, for about 12 hours, if you went to applebees.com, you would see my beautiful face and two others. Um, And we were hosting like an all day marathon, kind of like the new version of those old telephone, uh, telephone marathons. Um, And what we did was we, we invited 20 different influencers in their hometown. Uh, We gave them a gift card and we told them to go to their local Applebee's and live stream their experience. Right. And then what we did is we were on applebee's dot com and we brought in all these people that were live streaming so we had, a, we, have, we had a mom and dad with their kid go to the to the restaurant we had three guys after work go there and have beers. And and the idea was, how do we connect influencers and influencer content and bring people in? And, and Applebee's was amazing because what they knew was that if people hadn't been to their restaurant in the last two years and they went back in, they would have a positive experience. So Applebee's gave us a lot of lead way and they pretty much said, like, we trust that our, our food is much better than what people remember it being. We also trust in our experience. And, and for them, worst case scenario was if people start sharing a bad experience, that's a lesson learned for us, right? So what we did was we did a 12-hour 12, uh, 12 takeover um, on all these social network accounts. Um, and, I mean, literally we were on video for 12 hours. It was one of the longest days I've ever had. But it was pretty cool. Over a billion impressions on the hashtag uh, Taste the Change. So if, if anybody wants to check out that uh, that that uh you know it was it was in the uh, summer of 2016 but uh, yeah if you, you just look up the hashtag taste the change and you can see all the great content we created and for me one of the best parts about it was working with a great brand like applebees that was able to kind of trust us to do our thing but the other cool thing about it is the the amount of people that were were now going to applebees with an open mind Proved the power of influencer marketing. It proved the power of video, and uh, yeah, it was one of it's one of the cooler projects. I've I got to work with the Super Bowl uh, uh, in the in the January of 2017. But I would say the Super Bowl and Applebee's are probably two of the coolest uh, projects I've ever had the opportunity to work on.
0: Fantastic, that's good to know. I've seen that you work with huge companies like IBM, Adobe, HP. Um, you work with them in the tech side, or did you actually go there to speak to them?
1: So a little bit, of, a little bit of all of it, right? I was brought in mostly, mostly as an influencer, right? I I worked in cloud computing and cybersecurity, so they would bring me to their event, give me access to different things, and then I would blog about it or at a video or do a video about it. Uh, and then they, I became kind of more of a trusted asset, right? And then I became more of a thought leader on certain topics. And so now I get to go back and do a lot of speaking at these events. And even some of them hire me to bring in other influencers. So I, it's it's kind of fun because I've gone full circle. I was an influencer to start with. I've done influencer strategies for them, and I now do some thought leadership um, keynote speaking for their events as well. So it's uh it's very you know I'm very blessed to work with some giant um you know technology brands. Technology being my background, but um you know working with those big brands, it's funny most of the time they have the same problems as small brands. They just have it at a bigger scale and sometimes have a bigger budget, but um, for the most part, I've had, I've had the luxury of working with some amazing people at these uh, amazing companies and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. I get to go, I'll be going to a Dell event uh, in a couple of weeks and, um, and, you know, my whole goal of going that, to that event is to open, open their mind on how they can tell the story of Dell and connect with millennial and Gen Z consumers. And so uh, being able to have that challenge is, uh, it's a lot of fun and something I look forward to each time I work with these big brands.
0: Did you ever find any issues in speaking, going to these big brands and there's a lot of, I guess, older minds there too, right? Did you ever have any problem? There's this young kid here with the hat backwards speaking to us. Did you ever have that mentality?
1: Every day. I still do. Right. Um, And for most part, you know, I've learned, you know, one of the things with change is that you can't force people to change. Um, You have to teach them. You have to inspire them. But most of all, you have to do it yourself. Right. I would tell them that, hey, if you want to relate with younger generations, you need to bring on, you know, someone that can talk to the younger generation, someone that that looks like them. And they, they would hear it, but they would not live it. Right. And I end up being the guinea pig lots of times. And and a perfect example of this is for about two years, um, I would have to sneak my hat on stage, right? So, like, and for me, wearing a hat is just kind of part of my brand. Um, and so, I would, like, I would ha- not have a hat on backstage. And before I go on stage, I'd throw the hat on. And for the longest time, that was something for me that just meant something for me, right? I was helping them embrace change a little bit. And then about a year and a half ago, people started writing into my contracts, Brian, we want to hire you, but you must wear your hat on stage, <laughs> uh-huh. right? So, I, I had embraced their change. And, like, you know, this is one of those things as well is that um, – changing for change's sake doesn't matter. And, and just because you want to relate, you know, just wearing a hat on stage doesn't mean that you're doing something differently. Right. But giving people the opportunity to be themselves or right? one of the, one of my favorite stories is that, you know, they IBM always was blue suits and blue ties. And they made all of their employees wear ties. And, and then last year I went to an event and they actually outlawed ties. If you wore a tie into their convention uh, that they were having on, they were going to cut the tie off your right off your neck. And it's, that was to them saying, hey, we want you to relax. We want you to, to be more of yourself. And so I love helping that change be facilitated. But don't get me wrong. There's still companies that will call me and say, Brian, I want to work with you, but I need you to do A, B, and C or I'm scared of what you're going to talk about or, you know, can you give me your slides ahead of time so that I can make sure that you don't do something that, you know, we don't want. And, you know, it's a delicate balance because for me, I have to help them change but at the same time, if if I alienate them or polarize them so much that they don't work with me, I didn't help them and I didn't help myself. And so it is a balance on a regular basis. I can tell you the call that I have directly after this podcast is with a company in an older industry and they came to me and just said, Brian, we need you and we are so far behind the times. And I will tell you, it's taken three months for us to execute on something because they are behind the times, but I have a change agent within it. And I guess that's my lesson learned is that you have to find somebody within the company that believes in you outside the company. And I've been, I've been so blessed. I could probably name 30 people that are in 30 different companies that without them inside of the company being my champion is as much as I'm great at what I do, I would have never been successful, but it's, it's a constant uh, evolution, right? And nobody likes being told what to do. Nobody likes being generalized and really no one likes being forced to change. And what I try to do is I try to do three things. I try to inspire change. I try to educate change and then hopefully motivate change through my actions.
0: And how do you gain, how do you remember actually your speeches? Do you, do you actually write down a speech and, and then to present it?
1: So, I you know, I think, you know, this is interesting because I think, you know, for me, I do it a little bit different than everybody else, right? And I, I, I work with a lot of speakers and a lot of it's, you know, practice. But, you know, because I have a podcast, because I do a lot of live videos, I cover a lot of my topics um, over and over again. So I do practice, but I make all of my own content, right? I edit all of my own podcasts. Every blog that's on my site, I've written. Every, um, every tweet that ever been replied has been replied by me. And so because I'm so in it, when I get on stage, I don't have to, I don't have to have a script as much as I deliver, you know, based on the audience. Um, but so I, I build my slides. Like you'll notice my slides don't have very many words on them. They'll have maybe one word. It'll say transparency or relatability or virtual reality or whatever the slide says. And then I allow the audience to kind of allow the story to come with me, but I do have an idea of what I'm going to say on all of those. And I can, it's all about practice. Like, you know, as many stages I've been on, I mean, This year alone, I've been on 31 stages so far um, in uh, 2018, and there's a presentation that I've been giving a lot recently. The Press the Damn Button is the name of the presentation, and I just gave it last week in Scotland, and it's the best I've ever given that presentation, and it's because I've given it 15 or 20 times this year alone, and now I have the cadence down, right? And, you know, I use pauses, right? So I will say something. And I will I will pause really long let the audience kind of get it and all of those things take a lot of practice and a lot of experience and uh, it's a funny business speaking is funny because you get more speaking gigs by getting on stage but you get on stage how do you get on stage in the first place it's hard it's not there's no like one way to do it and so um, for me I take every every opportunity that I get no matter if it's a twenty person stage or I've spoke twice in front of thirteen thousand people um, I, I treat. Each audience, the same in the sense of delivering my very best no matter what. But it it, it is about uh, getting lots of experience on that stage, that's for sure.
0: Very good. And right in front of me, I have a book called Speak With Power. And this is a Canadian bestseller by Betty Cooper is there any book that influenced you or helped you? The, which one is it? The, the most? Sure.
1: So there was actually two books that kind of, uh, well, I'll, I'm going to give you three books total because I can not just give one, um, but I'm going to give you two books that helped me get into marketing and really opened my mind. And uh, the first one is from Gary Vaynerchuk, jab, 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 right hook. Um, okay. I read, I wasn't, I, I wouldn't consider myself a marketer. I was consider myself a storyteller and community person. And that book, it opened my mind to realize that you can give, give, give before making a sale. And that's kind of how I lived. And so, and it was funny. I read that book at the exact same time I was reading. Jay Bear wrote a book called Utility, you Utility. So it's utility as like you, the person being the utility. Mm. I actually read that book the exact same month. I had one on Kindle, one on hard copy. And I read that book the same month. I remember, I remember actually finishing one of them at the pool and going, wow, I want to be a marketer. Wow, I really want to get in there. So those two books kind of opened my mind to this whole arena that I'm in. And then just recently in the last, well, it was January, so five months ago, six months ago, I read a book called Know Exactly What to Say and it's written by Phil Jones, Know Exactly What to Say. It's a very short book uh, and transparency I read the book. It blew my mind. I took off, I took some of his uh, practices and I put him into, um, into action and then I hired him as a business coach um, because he is that, he's that impactful. But uh, it's a sh- short, easy read. I mean, I read it in probably an hour and a half, um, but it talks about, you know, how do you, you know, put things out there into the world so that they um, not only relate with people correctly, but they get people to take action in the way that you want. So for me, selling has always been a hard thing. I'm, I'm great at marketing myself, but closing a sale is something I've, I've struggled at because I love, I love it and I want it. And often I'm the first one that talks first and all the things that I do wrong. But um, that book, Know Exactly What to Say, uh, I can tell you, like, I would say my business has increased 70% because I read that book and I hired Phil as a business coach. So um, if that's not, <laughs> if that's not a testimonial, I don't really know one. And, and he's a good friend now because uh, we've been working together. But um, yeah, th- those are the three books. So Jab, 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 Right Hook, Gary Vee, um, Utility by Jay Baer, uh, and then uh, Know Exactly What to Say by Phil Jones.
0: Very good. And if anybody in the audience listening, if they want to contact you, where do they find you? Everywhere, so, you
1: know, consistency is a big deal, right? So in this world, you know, if anyone's listening to this, I talk really fast. So hopefully you're not listening to it at one and a half speed on, on your podcast. By, by now you probably realize that people are like, wow, it sounds like Mickey Mouse. But, um, you know, with all the digital noise, I always tell people consistency is extremely important. So I am isocialfans, lowercase I, socialfans with a Z or a Z at the end, uh, on every channel, every social network, I'm isocialfans. Uh, my website is isocialfans.com. And I can, I can almost promise you, you can check it out on Tumblr, on YouTube, no matter where you're at, if you search isocialfans, even your podcasting players, uh, you'll find me. And, and that's kind of, I, I try to make it as simple as possible in this crazy digital world. And uh, you know, that, that's the easiest way to track me down.
0: Very good. Brian, this was fantastic. I know you have to go. You got a call now. Uh, I just want to thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it and uh, love talking to you.
1: My pleasure. Lots of fun. Thanks for having me. No problem, buddy. Cheers.